Welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert, just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. What you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we talked about the importance of self-regulation as a tool to support our MS health goals. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Terry Walls. You're in for a real treat as we talk all things MS, as well as current and upcoming opportunities where you can learn directly from Dr. Walls. Our gratitude today is for our guest, Dr. Terry Walls. On her website, terrywalls.com, you can learn all about her. Dr. Walls is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine, where she teaches internal medicine residents in their primary care clinics. She is also heavily engaged in clinical research and has published over 60 peer-reviewed scientific abstracts, posters, and papers. She has also authored The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine. The Walls Protocol, a radical new way to treat all chronic immune conditions using paleo principles. And a cookbook called The Walls Protocol Cooking for Life, the revolutionary modern paleo plan to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions. While Dr. Walls is an incredibly accomplished physician, even more importantly, she is truly one of us and was diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS in 2000. MS hit Dr. Walls hard, and in three short years, she had transitioned to secondary progressive MS. She underwent chemotherapy as an attempt to slow progression and had to use a tilt-recline wheelchair due to back muscle weakness. When Dr. Walls shares her story, you can feel her pain. And she's beautifully honest about her anticipated dismal future quality of life after spending four years in wheelchair confinement. What's so inspiring and compelling about Dr. Walls' story is that it doesn't end there. In an effort to first help herself, she dove into the research and in her words, quote, relearned biochemistry, cellular physiology, and neuroimmunology so she could fully understand the research. Most promising studies she encountered would take years to become available as actual treatments, and Dr. Walls did not have the luxury of time on her side. So she pivoted her research, focusing instead on vitamins and supplements that were known to help progressive brain disorders. 
As she started to include those in her care regimen, her decline began to slow. Lucky for her, and for all of us on the path with her and after her, she discovered functional medicine in 2007 and used this new knowledge to redesign her nutrition recommendations for MS to include brain-supporting nutrients from food. Within a year, this approach helped Dr. Walls recover. In this very short period of time, she was able to return to walking without assistance and even ride her bicycle 18 miles. She still rides her bike to work every day. We should all be grateful for the tenacity and dedication of Dr. Walls, her unwavering focus on learning everything MS, and her willingness to experiment on herself one small variable at a time has led to many breakthroughs in MS care that benefit us all. What we now know after many years of her efforts is that food is truly medicine. It can get us very far on the road to recovery. Dr. Terry Walls is the pioneer of MS care. She's an expert dietitian and also understands how everything in our bodies is connected. She works tirelessly for herself and for us so that all of us and those who join the MS club in the future can have the most positive outcomes as possible. In a few moments, I'll share our recent conversation about a wide range of MS-related topics, and you'll learn about a few ways that you can be involved in the important work she's doing right now. Access information about Dr. Wall's clinical trials on her website, terrywalls.com. This is a way we can do our part to help continue the research and discover solutions for ourselves and for those in our shared MS community, now and into the future. You can also sign up for the upcoming Neuroimmune Summit, July 5th through 11th. It's a free virtual learning opportunity. I'll certainly be attending and would love to see you there. You can also follow Dr. Walls on Facebook, Terry Walls MD, on Twitter and Instagram, at Terry Walls, and check out Master Health, an incredible new app that we'll talk more about shortly. Links provided in the episode notes. In addition to all the good Dr. Walls has done for herself and our community, I am also grateful that she came into my life when I needed her most. When I was diagnosed in 2015, my kind and well-intentioned neurologist suggested I take a DMT and hope for the best, but something didn't feel quite right to me about that approach. Deep inside, I knew there must be something I could do to turn the mental anguish and debilitating physical limitations I was experiencing into positive and productive action. The first book I ever bought on the topic of MS was The Walls Protocol. Quite simply, it gave me hope when I was hopeless. It also lit in me a fire. It convinced me to keep learning and to seek a second opinion, which led me to Stanford, into an intimate learning opportunity with Dr. Susan Peyrovi. It also gave me confidence in my ability to scientifically study to become an expert on my personal version of MS, one variable at a time, to create my own path to wellness. I will never forget the important first domino that is Dr. Terry Walls. She set my journey moving in a positive direction when I was losing functionality and faith and hope for the future fast. Thank you, Dr. Walls. You are a tremendous human and a blessing to us all. Uh, 
Okay, so welcome, Dr. Walls. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so delighted. I'm just so grateful for your time and your expertise and uh, just everything that you have done for me personally and everyone in the MS community. Thank you. Um, doctors like you and Dr. Susan Peyrovi are real gifts to our community because you have this unique lens and skill set. And uh, I don't know what we would do without you. And so I wanted to start off with just kind of sharing two quotes with you I found that just made me think of you. And the first one is from Michael J. Fox. And he said, the message is simple, yet it gets forgotten. The people living with the condition are the experts. Yeah, that is true. Right? So true. And then um, Carl Jung says, the doctor is effective only when he himself is affected only the wounded physician heals. And I wonder what your thoughts were about that. You know, uh, if I had never gotten MS, I, I would have a very different life. I'd probably still be running marathons, doing triathlons, and doing very conventional medicine. But instead, I got to have MS. I got to have uh, the most horrific levels of pain that uh, people ever endure. I got to be so disabled, I could not even sit up. Uh, and I found my way back. I, and uh, I'm pain free. I uh, hike, um, I jog. In fact, I was in Colorado, I hiked uh, three hours uh, in at uh, 12,000 feet. Uh, and I, uh, I, I can't do marathons. I don't know that I'll be able to do marathons again. But I'm thrilled with this life. I am thrilled with this life. And, you know, after having decades of uh, progressively severe incapacitating pain, uh, I now see my trigeminal neuralgia as this amazing gift. Because you see, uh, I now have this continuous glucose meter of my brain, instead of measuring glucose, measures the inflammation level of my brain. And I know moment to moment, is my brain inflamed or not? I don't have to go to get an MRI. I know. Wow. I love how you mentioned that you see this now as a gift because people are shocked when I say that too. But in a way, it gave me a second life. You know, and I think about the butterfly as the symbol for MS. And, you know, that's largely because the wings resemble what the MRI looks like. But I also think there's this opportunity for metamorphosis that we have when we are diagnosed and we can choose to flounder and suffer, or we can choose to embrace that process and build a new life like you have done so beautifully. Correct, correct. You know, it might the life would have been great. But I think this life is even more spectacular than that one ever could have been. And how uniquely positioned are you to be able to help yourself and our community because you have this illness that you're working so hard to solve for? Uh, absolutely. And, and I have a, a very unique role in the MS space. So I, I'm not a neurologist. I'm an internal medicine doc. I took care, take care of all those kind of core morbid problems um, and very conventional, you know, very skeptical of complementary alternative medicine, thought I was a big waste of money. Uh, you know, then I, then I get diagnosed, uh, experience um, terrible disability, despite getting very aggressive, very aggressive treatments. 
And then I uh, start reading the basic science and figure out uh, a, a remarkable program that I, I did all that not to recover because I knew recovery was not possible. I just wanted to slow down my decline as slowly as, as, as you know, as effectively as I could. And I had to, um, you know, it wasn't until I rode my bike that day that I was like, you know, I, I wonder how much recovery is possible and that the current understanding of MS is incomplete. You know, and, and six months later, I, I had ridden 18.5 miles and, and then I was like, okay, we really don't know and how, how close to normal could I could I get? And that started this new journey. Uh, now, fortunately, my chair of medicine at the time, you know, called me in and had me get the case report written up and then uh, the case series. And I said, Terry, and you're going to change the research that you do and you'll start doing clinical trials. And I said, well, I, I, I don't know how to do that because I'll get you the mentors. This is your assignment and this is what you're going to do. So I saluted like, okay. And I began to learn how to do clinical trials. And, and you know what, what, what is so interesting, there were a lot of people who didn't like what I was doing, even here at the university and tried to uh, get it stopped and people who tried to tell me that what I was doing was entirely wrong because you wouldn't know what the mechanism was that I should pick one molecular pathway and study that. And of course, you know, I'm not a PhD. I'm a patient who has MS who got out of the wheelchair, stopped the pain, and I get to see and experience what the effect of my uh, programs are on my brain. And then I got my PhD students and now postdoc students, and I say, okay, these are the clinical questions we're going to investigate. You're going to help me design and figure out what molecules will measure along the way. But this, these are the questions we're asking because I have a very unique perspective because I'm a patient and I know what we care about. We care about, can we be pain-free? We care about what's the quality of my life. We care about, can I still work? And then we'll freeze blood along the way and then my phds and i we can analyze the blood later but i want to investigate what people care about which is can i be pain-free can i have a good quality of life could i still work could i still have a, a rich life with my children and my spouse and then i'll freeze the blood and we'll analyze that later Absolutely. You definitely have your priorities straight. And, you know, it gives me hope for medicine in the future. If we have more doctors embracing their diagnoses and pivoting into those fields where they can have that patient perspective too, how wonderful would that be? Well, you know, the good news is there's so much chronic disease that so many of our physicians are getting ill. And a few of us are figuring out how to get better. And every now and then you have a doc who gets better, who also is an academic doc, whose boss says, this is really remarkable. Let's have you start doing clinical research in this area. 
So there's just a few of us in the country that do that, and I happen to be one of them. Uh, and now, you know, here at the university, people, you know, they thought I was a very bizarre, eccentric, odd sort of person. But fortunately, my chair of medicine became the dean of the College of Medicine. He liked what I was doing, and I kept doing what he told me to do. Uh, and he helped me get a very interesting and innovative research program going. And is that the program that you're recruiting for right now? As a matter of fact, that is, you know, and so um, and, and the other thing that, that is interesting is that because I, you know, I also uh, saw some uh, patients uh, on the side as well and transformed their lives. Uh, and they said, so uh, Dr. Walls, we know you do research uh, and they funded some very interesting pilot studies uh, and have uh, funded larger and larger studies. And so uh, it was the um, uh, Carter Chapman Shreve Family Foundation that is funding my current study, which is a two-year study uh, comparing the ketogenic diet, uh, a paleo diet and usual diet for people with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. It'll be the largest and perhaps the longest study uh, that's been done in the setting of multiple sclerosis uh, to date. Wow. That's really, really exciting. And so you're in the recruitment phase right now. When will this officially begin? Well, uh, we're it. We're in it. Uh, we've already recruited uh, about 88 people. Uh, by the end of July, we'll have had 96 people randomized and enrolled. We our target is 156 people. We follow them for two years, and, they, and we've taken people from Canada, the United States, uh, and Mexico, uh, and uh, we get you know, patient reported outcomes, so mood, quality of life, energy, uh, clinical outcomes, walking hand, vision, uh, and memory. And then we're also getting MRIs without contrast, so research MRIs. And we'll see what happens to brain volume over time. And one of the questions that we have uh, is, can, by helping people improve their diet, can we get the rate of brain volume to match healthy aging? Because as a group, those of us who have MS, our brains shrink uh, 1% per year, which uh, is three times as fast as healthy aging, which is why we have higher rates of anxiety, depression, uh, frailty, why we lose our jobs earlier, why we need nursing homes earlier. Uh, and because in my clinical practice, um, we see that as people implement the concepts we teach, their mental clarity improves, their anxiety uh, and depression symptoms go away. Uh, and so I think it's quite possible that we do in fact get people to the healthy rates of brain aging. And so this will be, uh, we're, we're very excited that we will be, we are able to include this as uh, some of the outcomes. Wow, that is really, really exciting to me. One of the areas I've been studying recently is learning about telomeres, um, which is something you know I never knew anything about. But looking at the, uh, you know, the shortening of telomeres over time and and the connection between that and our disability progression is pretty fascinating. Do you want to share a little? Oh bit? yeah. So uh, at the Consortium of Multiple Sclerosis Centers, 
which is the big meeting that happens uh, every year where the scientists and the clinical teams that take care of MS patients come together. Uh, uh, one of the lectures was multiple sclerosis and aging. Uh, and the conclusion is that um, there's more evidence that people with MS, we have more rapid aging than occurs in the general public. And that's part of why we become uh, disabled uh, and frail. Uh, and so they said, okay, we need to slow the aging process down. So uh, they talked about some uh, drugs that were work well on mice. We don't know if they work well in people. Um, uh, metformin, they talked about that as uh, a drug. And then they said, food, you gotta, you gotta help people have a better diet. Think about intermittent calorie restriction, fasting, strength training. And then they talked about cold water training uh, and uh, heat training. Of course, heat training would be much more difficult for people with MS. But, you know, for anyone who's read my book, you know, those are exactly the things that I'm talking about is that um, aging can be slowed down uh, in that if we have a high sugar diet, uh, being sedentary, living in a very narrow, comfortable temperature, 68 to 72 degrees, all of those things accelerate our aging. And giving ourselves a little bit, a little bit of stress, followed by time that we can recover, whether it's temperature or exercise or calorie restriction or spices, because that's a little bit of, uh, of uh, phytochemical stress. Those things are really good for us and they slow down the aging process. Uh, and um, which reminds me, when I saw that people with MS, uh, we have shortened telomeres and that you know rapid aging occurs, I decided I should check my telomeres. Uh, and I was giving myself a mental pep talk, like, okay, you're going to have short telomeres. You're going to be older than your chronologic age. So you'll get today's age, and then you'll check yourself again in another uh, year, a couple of years to see, are you aging too rapidly and, and what you can do about it. So yeah, I was really bracing myself for uh, the troubling news. So I, I got my uh, uh, test kit, I sent it off, it came back and I get the results and I am 15 years biologically younger by my telomeres than my chronologic age. Wow. Now, then they gave me a bunch of recommendations that I completely disagreed with. And I thought, you know, that's sort of crazy uh, because what I'm doing obviously is working pretty well. So don't tell me to eat a Mediterranean diet because, and, and that is a great diet. So I, not a knock on the Mediterranean diet, but you know, uh, clearly my uh, diet and self-care routine had taken, because I, I was mentally prepared, like I was going to be 15 years worse than my chronologic age, but you know. Wow, what a wonderful amused. surprise, although not really, given all that you do to work on your health. You know, in, in my clinics at the VA, when we created the uh, lifestyle clinic, uh, and we'd see people with complicated chronic diseases, autoimmune disease, usually uh, overweight on 15, 20, sometimes 30 drugs, and we'd get them started. We'd teach them, you know, all the concepts that I use. 
and consistently they would youthen in front of our eyes. They would look, you know, five years younger, 10 years younger, 15 years younger, and their children would be coming back to see them and they would not recognize mom and dad because, you know, the veteran would get younger and whoever was in the house with them would look younger as well. Wow. Now, how does toxic stress or ACEs, like adverse childhood experiences, how does that factor into this as well? You know, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, In my clinical trials, I I, I made the observation that almost every one of my patients was telling me about their early life stress. And so then I got into reading the research, like how common is this? Uh, and it turns out people with uh, MS, with a autoimmune condition that affects their central nervous system or the peripheral nervous system, we have dramatically higher rates of early life stress than the general public. Uh, and uh, for the audience, we're, we're talking about uh, violence, emotional violence, physical violence, severe illness or death in the immediate family. Uh, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, uh, and it's very, very common. And now after, you know, I'm, I'm reading this, watching this, then I realize, you know, I had early life stress and I had not been thinking about that. When I was eight, my sister died unexpectedly very traumatic uh, for uh, my parents. And it's very common when a child dies in a family that the parents, there's a lot of grief they have to manage. Uh, And then uh, it's more common than not that there's uh, marital discord that goes on uh, for many years and that uh, a divorce happens because parents don't recover at the same rate. Uh, And so uh, I had, we all have many factors that contribute to why we develop uh, a problem with our immune system, why we develop uh, uh, MS. In my circumstance, certainly my adverse child experience was part of that. It wasn't the sole cause, uh, but um, it was definitely a major factor. Yes, I, I concur. And, and I didn't have anything quite as traumatic as what you mentioned happened. But when I, after my um, diagnosis had a full neuropsych evaluation, some interesting things were pointed out to me that, you know, I maybe didn't think of as traumatic. They were just all I knew growing up, but it turns out that that's actually been a really important part of my recovery is actually going there and getting that therapy. And it just amazes me how many people I talk to in our community who have no idea that that can play such a significant role in our getting sick, but also in our getting well. recovery. So I I now talk to my uh, patients about how important this is. Uh, And you know, a first step that we can begin to do is just begin writing about it, to write about uh, your early life uh, stress and successes. Uh, And you might be surprised at the insights that you have. Uh, and to begin to forgive yourself and, and the life uh, events. And then you can begin to look for uh, talk therapy to help, help with that. 
uh, and there are a variety of, you know, one of the uh, good things that came out of the pandemic is we've learned how to do a variety of talk therapies uh, through Zoom uh, that have made uh, talk therapy a little more accessible. Uh, but I, I think it can be very, very helpful to have someone to help you uh, uh, as you think through what the meaning of that early life stress uh, and the ACEs are uh, and to help with the forgiveness aspect. You know, Sir. and I had to forgive myself in addition to I'm still, I'm still uh, working on that yeah <laughs> I just turned 50 and I'm uh convinced that I want to leave a bunch of that behind for good um and working on that so um yes if anyone if this resonates with anyone who's listening right now find someone to talk to neuroplasticity the journaling you're speaking of it works and it's my understanding that you can actually see differences on an MRI absolutely you can see differences and we can measure differences in the bloodstream. And there, there are a wide variety of things. Just the free writing, super helpful. You can use your the timer on your phone to set up 30 seconds of forced laughter. Ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. Um, that will have measurable changes in your bloodstream. The positivity of, of standing up, putting my arms out, you know, like Superman, Wonder Woman, and, and declaring, Terry is a good person. Terry is worth uh, loving. Terry is doing all she can. We can measure changes in my bloodstream by those simple actions. And we can measure if we if you have me do, saying those things three times every day out loud so they could hear you next door, that we could measure a lower rate of ER visits in the next one year, two years, and three years from those very simple actions. Wow. Thank and you that so doesn't cost anything other than about, time. Yeah, it's so important to talk about all of this because you are so well known as the leader in nutrition when it comes to MS. And yet, you know, we're talking about so much more than that. What do you think are, you know, in addition to nutrition, because I do think that's the fastest way to bring about real positive change in our bodies, but beyond that, what are kind of those two or three big hitters that you think that everyone with MS should really pay attention to? Sunlight. Okay. So, so we know for some time that low vitamin D is really bad for us. So we thought we'd take vitamin D supplements and that would solve it. Well, it didn't solve it nearly as well. It turns out that we make vitamin D when sunlight hits our skin. So yes, we should all know our vitamin D. I think it's good to take some vitamin D supplements, but it's even better if you get a tan in addition to taking your vitamin D supplements and you have a really good diet, get plenty of vitamin K and vitamin A and calcium and magnesium and all those good things, but you need sunlight and you want to have enough sunlight to get a tan without a sunburn. And you want to have love. You know, a dog can be really nice. Um, a cat, if you like cats, a goldfish, maybe, I don't know goldfish really as well. Um, but, uh, a person that you can talk to, write letters to, you could call, um, have connections with people. We, if we are lonely, it's very inflammation producing. 
Um, and if you can give back in some way uh, to your church, to your school, to your MS support group, to your neighbor next door, be super helpful. Beautiful. I, all of those things that you mentioned have been instrumental in my healing over the last couple of years, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing those. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about spasticity. You know, a lot of people don't talk about it. And I wanted to ask you. Yes. So the longer we have our illness, the more likely we are to have stiffness, uh, spasticity. Uh, you'll have uh, cramps at night. You're more likely to have uh, restless legs during the night, uh, jerks during the night. Uh, you're more likely to have your bladder get spastic and have to get up to pee too many times at night. All of those things happen. Baclofen can be helpful. Uh, it, it, and for some people, that means that they'll take more and more baclofen by mouth. They may take a baclofen uh, pump. Occasionally, uh, CBD or uh, marijuana can be helpful. However, I want to remind everyone that if you have a terrible diet, you're going to accelerate your spasticity. If you sit and you don't move and you don't stretch, you will accelerate your spasticity. So fix your diet, improve your diet at the pace that you and your family can manage. Uh, stretch, yoga and Tai Chi would be really fabulous. That would be uh, super helpful. I think uh, getting a good vitamin D and getting sunlight would be super helpful. Uh, and making sure you sleep as well as you can. With, so that might include uh, a sleep setting. Excellent. Yes, I concur. All of those things have, again, made, given me my life back for sure. Now you have so many different irons in the fire right now. So I want to give you an opportunity to share some of those. In addition to the trial that you're, yeah. you're doing right now, you also have this app master health. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. So, uh, I've partnered with a couple of the app developers, uh, master health, uh, Josh, uh, Shookman and I, uh, went through my book. I think there were 125 different actions that I talk about in my book. We prioritized once, uh, most effective to least effective uh, and helped people organize what symptoms they wanted to most focus on. Uh, and then we could help them prioritize which interventions I'm curious about and I could begin to gradually implement. It can be super helpful to have a app that will guide me and give me prompts so I can track my progress. And it's just a wonderful adjunct. In addition to the book, uh, in addition, and then we also have another app, the Walls Diet app, and I work with a chef, and I keep sending her ideas of here's the stuff that I'm making. Uh, 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 and so we have uh, information for all three levels. Uh, we have, I keep adding more fermented food recipes, more international recipes. We're trying to make it uh, give as many resources uh, available for people to begin their wellness programs at a pace that they can manage. You know, and for some folks, they just see my TED Talk, that's enough. Uh, others, they get my book, that's enough. Others want to have apps. We have lots of folks who want to have apps. Others want to be par part of my online programs, we have those. Uh, we have a few folks who are able to come see me 
uh, and then uh, we have a few lucky folks who get to be in our clinical trials. Lucky indeed. Now you also have an upcoming neuroimmune summit where I understand you're going to be talking about autoimmunity and melatonin. Can you give us a sneak peek oh, of what yeah, that's going to yeah. be about? So the melatonin is a hormone that's made uh, in the brain. Uh, it's made in response to light and to darkness. And we have more insight that melatonin is a very potent um, compound in terms of reducing oxidative stress, in terms of helping us uh, sleep well, uh, in terms of um, reducing the severity of autoimmunity. And by the way, probably also reducing uh, or the likelihood of cancers. So it, it's, a, uh, it's a fascinating conversation with Dr. Minnick. Uh, I think um, uh, uh, people may be stunned to realize that this is a compound that is in also present in plants. Isn't that wild? I was quite shocked uh, when I learned that, that, you know, it's sort of like, you know, insulin is a compound that's uh, present in many biologic symptoms as well, including uh, compound uh, systems that do not have pancreases. So uh, uh, a lot of our biochemistry goes across plants, viruses, bacteria, um, um, worms, flies, yeast, which is why we can do uh, so many basic science studies that ultimately uh, will also give us new insights in human studies. Wow, that is just really, really exciting. I signed up for that summit this morning. I cannot wait. You're going to learn so much stuff. And what, what is wonderful about, so it's lots of fun doing the summit, interviewing all these folks. Uh, we talked to other clinicians about some uh, practical tips for managing uh, symptoms like diarrhea, constipation, uh, spasticity. Uh, uh, how to improve our gait. We, uh, we talked uh, to patient advocacy groups uh, about uh, services uh, in ways to connect with others in the MS support world. Uh, I talked to uh, other PhD scientists about some interesting science studies and to some entrepreneurs who are dev uh, devising and developing new technologies that can uh, accelerate uh, recovery uh, some interesting uh, rehab technologies that um, I was like, okay, wow, that's pretty interesting. I gotta check out. So I always check out these new devices. Like, okay, is this is this a useful technology that would help uh, my patients recover more deeply, more quickly? It was lots of fun, and and so I'm sure I will do this uh, again next year because I have a, another new list of people that I want to be sure and interview for next year's summit. Wow, sounds exciting. I cannot wait. And I love that you are so tenacious of a researcher and that you have this open mind that's willing to, you know, see how things might be connected. You know, I, I have a, as I said, a very unique perspective because I, I was, it was so clear the natural history of my disease was I was going to become bedridden, demented, die with uh, horrific levels of pain. And you know, fortunately, I managed to create this protocol that got me out of all of that. And I want everyone to know that there's stuff that you can do that can reduce your symptoms, improve your quality of life. I don't know how much 
uh, rehabilitation potential you have. But I know that we can empower you to have a far more satisfying life. Whatever your underlying health condition is, there are always things that you can do to make your life better than it is right now. I believe that. And yet I come across so many folks who don't believe that that's true. They're searching for a magic pill, but when they see these actual solutions that have been tested, there's, I don't know if it's apathy or what the barrier is. What is your take on that? Uh, Think of all the people that you know who have substance abuse and are destroying their lives because of their alcohol dependence, their uh, cocaine addiction, their tobacco addiction. Uh, And they know that they're destroying their lives, but they are addicted to this compound. Uh, And we now know that we have food addictions uh, to sugar and processed foods. We have technology addictions to our uh, smartphones and our apps. Uh, And we have addiction to being uh, sedentary, doing nothing and just doing video gaming. And it's destroying our lives, destroying the lives of many young people uh, and middle-aged folks. Uh, And uh, we have gambling addictions, destroying the lives of people uh, who are retired and have lost their savings for all of that. That is why they can't engage in their wellness program because they're addicted to these harmful behaviors, whether it's harmful food, harmful technologies. And it's sad to watch. I can let people know that there are things they can do if they're ready. And if they are not, I let it go and I move on to the person who is willing and ready to do the work. Uh, And uh, for people who has a family member who has a health challenge uh, and has these addictive behaviors that is making their health challenge worse. My advice to the family is, if you as a family begin to improve your wellness behaviors together, you all, all around the person you love, you start eating better food, you start having gratitude practices before your meals, you start going out and sitting in the garden enjoying some sunlight, you begin perhaps walking around the yard and you'll begin to improve your health. And the person you love may also begin to improve their health. Or at the very least, you'll have some companionable time together. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. Sometimes it takes a while, but I try to encourage people don't give up. Um, my, My partner now, you know, he went from eating huge steaks to now a teeny piece of meat on his plate. And he even joined a kombucha club Uh, I mean, who would have thought, you know, and it was just, it's been a slow process, but we now have a set bedtime, like all of these different routines that are health building have helped both of us to achieve better health, not just me. And and you think about small next steps that you can sustain, be successful, make it part of your daily life. uh, And you want to have a a companionable, enjoyable relationship with your spouse, with your kids and you'll be surprised. For sure. Now, 
I still struggle. So many of my healthcare providers don't seem to fully embrace this lifestyle medicine. Oh, ab- absolutely. What do so, we do? What What so, can people like me do to help support people like you who know this is the way? So everyone who's listening, your specialist will uh, guide conversations about disease-modifying drug treatment because they that's what they're taught. And work with your primary care person who should be fired up about vegetables, should be fired up about stress reduction, should be fired up about exercise, about you getting good sleep. And they can help you get additional support for improving your diet, for learning uh, stress management techniques, uh, send you to physical therapy for exercise. Uh, And so just work with your primary care. And then you can decide what you want to do about your DMT. But your specialist isn't going to know about your wellness program. And don't expect them to. But your primary care person should be able to help you with that. And if they're not excited about vegetables, fire them and find someone who is. And that's okay. And if they aren't, if you have a hard time, then come look for online programs Uh, because there are a bunch of us that we've created online programs to help people, usually in group settings, improve their diet and self-care routine at uh, next steps. And, you know, you could do things like the Walls Protocol mobile app. um, And we have, you know, little pods, group programs. We we added um, a challenge feature, which is free and online so people could have a little chance say you know what that, you know, we could do that with you say okay we're, we're all gonna work on spending a bit more time outside in sunlight without getting sunburned because that's really important we're going to spend more time eating more green leafy salads and cooked greens uh, and you could invite your friends and your buddies and your neighbors to join you in that challenge of more sunlight or more cooked greens whatever that is and celebrate that together. So we, we have a, a variety of tools to help you succeed. Beautiful. Now I have to ask you to titrate down, what is your ultimate goal and how close <laughs> do you believe you are? Okay, so my big, hairy, audacious goal is so that anyone who's diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or any neuroimmune problem, when they go see the neurologist, the neurologist will say, yes, we've got these FDA approved treatments, and just as important is your wellness program. And we're gonna have you work on your diet uh, and exercise and sleep. And that, that will become the standard of care. Now, when I first said that uh, back in 2008, um, I was talking to our local organic grocer and then the local MS Society uh, wanted me to talk to them. I said, sure, and I got interviewed by the um, clinical advisor committee who was horrified by my message and I got banned as a speaker and I, I was vilified uh, on many many fronts because my message was so dangerous but I just kept going where I was invited I did my little research you know my boss told me to start doing the clinical research I started doing that and presenting and writing our manuscripts and now, 15 years later, at the Consortium MS Centers, we, we had multiple presentations about diet, uh, exercises being talked about, sleeps being talked about. And so the new youngsters are beginning to get exposed that, yes, diet and exercise and sleep really matters. It's not yet the standard of care. I'm telling my 
uh, medical students, my uh, undergraduate students in our lab, the uh, postdoctoral uh, fellows that are in our lab, that it's a 30-year process. We are just halfway. So I have another 15 years to go. I, I would be in my 80s, but who knows? Maybe I will see it as the standard of care. And I, you know, I think it'd be really cool to get like the Nobel Prize in medicine for having you know created this new standard of care that, yes, we're going to tell people that DMTs are helpful, but in the same breath, we'll say, your self-care is just as important. And you're right, I'm your neurologist. I, I don't know these things, but I'll send you to the dietitian. I'll send you to physical therapy. I'll send you to a uh, licensed talk therapist who will, who will help you with your early life trauma. And I'll send you to someone who can help make sure that you've got a stress management program. That I'll get this wellness team around you. And that's just as important as whatever the drugs are that I'm going to prescribe. Absolutely. Well, you it give will happen so someday. It, it will. It will. I believe it. I mean, just seeing how far it, it's come in the last 15 years is incredibly, incredibly exciting. So, you know, it, it, I'll tell you that it was super fun. So at the consortium of MS centers, so I've been going five years. Uh, the first year is there. I had a couple folks stop and say hi, talk with me. Uh, and uh, this year we probably had uh, easily 20 neurologist stop, uh, pull out their phone, uh, have a few questions. And then they'd say, you know, Dr. Walls, could I have my nurse get a picture of you and me? My patients would so like that. Uh, and would it be okay if I put that on Facebook? And they're like, oh yeah, of course, that'd be fine. You are a bit of a celebrity. You really are. And rightfully so. You've done tremendous things for our shared community. And I thank you. We we are offering hope. You know, and I think that the neurologists are, are a little more comfortable that I'm not, it's not my intent to say that nobody should be on drugs. That yes, I, I think we have to look carefully at the drugs and, and your uh, tolerance for the risk. And I say, yeah, I was happy to take drugs that I knew when I read the package insert, there was a 2% risk of acute leukemia each time I took the drug. But I figured that was better than being in a wheelchair. Uh, and so, yes, we, we have to look read the risks, the hazards, and make that decision. It's not about being anti-drug, it's about doing everything that we can to have the best outcome. So we should all be doing diet and lifestyle. And then, you know, thinking deeply about which drugs and which side effects and what my comor comorbidities are. And then, you know, just working closely with my treating medical team to take get the best care possible. Yes, and how wonderful that there are so many options today. There weren't. There weren't. There were options. Yeah, when I started, there were a few options. Uh, there were a lot of side effects uh, with the interferons, uh, copaxone. I had fewer side effects, somewhat less effective. Um, and now we have these very potent drugs, which do a great job of turning off enhancing lesions. They do not do a good job of uh, preventing. Um, brain volume loss. They, they slow the time to wheelchair. They don't prevent you from needing a wheelchair. They don't do a good job of uh, preventing anxiety, depression, or uh, fatigue. But it's so wonderful that they can turn off enhancing lesions. That is wonderful. And it's wonderful that they can slow the time to wheelchair from 10 years to uh, 20 years. 
you know, wonderful. Absolutely. Now, where does LDN fit in there with you? So for some, so uh, there are a lot of small trials that have used LDN with a wide variety of autoimmune issues and chronic pain issues. And it's been shown that to be very well tolerated. It may cause uh, some nightmares. Uh, if you, uh, it may cause some sleep disruption. And for some folks, it's very effective at reducing uh, pain and slowing the disease. In my circumstance, my neurologist uh, uh, did put, put me on it. Uh, we tried it, uh, we gave it six months, it didn't had uh, no effect, and so we discontinued that. I, I talk about it in my book, I encourage people to, uh, I think it's safe and well tolerated to give it a try. If at maximal dose it's not had any impact after three to six months, then I would discontinue. Because, and I, and I talk about that, if you, and I encourage, yes, uh, try supplements, experiment, but if it, the supplement's not helping you after three to six months, stop it. Absolutely. And then sometimes when you stop, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I really did feel better taking it. <laughs> then you go like, okay, I'll, I'll go back on it. But I don't want you to keep taking things if they're not adding uh, benefit to you. Right. And that's the power of the scientific method. If you do a somewhat controlled experiment on yourself and try to limit those variables, the things we can learn about ourselves are really it's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge. Uh, I, I think it's very helpful to have a little journal you keep track of. Here's the uh, symptom that I, I'm, I'm monitoring. And here's the intervention that I'm going to try for the next 100 days. Then I score the symptom before and after and I invite my, my spouse to score it as well. And if we both agree that it helped, fine, I'll stay on it. If we both agree that it didn't help, we stop. If we're in a disagreement, then I might still stop and decide like, okay, nope, you're right, it really didn't help. So, because we want to simplify, we want to have the simplest regimen uh, possible. We do, while also differentiating for our unique needs and our unique manifestation of MS, because, you know, doing an elimination diet, for example, I learned some very unique things about myself that don't pertain to others. And so the only way we truly figure out our MS is by experimenting in this way. You know, and I think it'd be, uh, you know, people may know that I have trigeminal neuralgia, so I have uh, incapacitating levels of pain when it's turned on. It's been incredibly helpful because, you know, when my pain turns on, I'll, I'll uh, uh, sit down with Jackie and we think, what could the trigger have been? And so, you know, if I get a virus, that'll turn my uh, face pain on. If I do too many uh, speaks in a month, so I'm doing, I can't fly more than six hours of airtime per month or it will turn on my face pain. So it, I, that taught me like how many speaking gigs I could agree to take on. So no more than one flight uh, per month. If I do two flights in a month, then I'm definitely risking uh, my face pain turning on. Uh, and if I have eggs, gluten or dairy, in about six hours, my face pain will turn on. So this knowledge helps you stay in your lane of good health. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. that's what each of us needs to figure out. And unfortunately, it's not one size fits all. There are so many things that do apply to all of us. 
but I'm learning that, you know, this is a very personal journey and it takes a lot of effort to answer questions. So I know what to do moving forward. It, it is super helpful uh, if you can identify what is the symptom that is most relevant for you. Uh, pain is very handy. Uh, it might be a skin issue. A anxiety and depression are a little more tricky because we're often not as self-aware. Uh, visual problems, so if I can't read, can't see as well, that can be super helpful. Uh, if I have numbness or tingling, that can be helpful. If I have motor weakness, so my you know my if my leg or arm becomes weak, what is your symptom? And um, in general, for my patients, it, it's easier if we have one symptom that is the one that is most troublesome that you, you can use. Over time, you get better at this. You'll get smarter, and you'll be able to focus on perhaps a few more, uh, a little more awareness. But in the beginning, just pick one yeah, uh, and just begin. This is where a little journal uh, can be super helpful. It's also where, you know, working with a health coach uh, or a team, if you have a program that you're going through, uh, they can help you learn these skills. Absolutely. I, if there's one thing I care about most, it's curriculum and community learning oh, yeah. together, supporting one another. Um, that was always the big guiding principle in education, and it applies just as much in living well with MS. Yeah, you know, in the therapeutic lifestyle clinic that I uh, ran uh, at our uh, Veteran Affairs Hospital, um, when I would take people through the community uh, of our lifestyle clinic, what I saw was people did much better as a group. Uh, they supported each other, they inspired one another, the, and then I loved having a mix of more senior folks in the class and the newbies in the class, and then the newbies and the senior folks would get together. They developed little mentor relationships. It was very satisfying. Uh, and um, I, I think if you can find a program that will have that kind of structure, I predict you would find that to be immensely satisfying. Uh, and then when you get to be a senior and you can be a sponsor to the newbies, uh, I think you'll find that immensely satisfying. Very much so. Very much so. I think helping others helps me help myself like yeah. nothing. Else. You know, it, and uh, uh, as I'd mentioned before, we've, we have programs for the public. We have programs for people with health uh, related certificates and licenses to teach them my clinical approach uh, to behavior change, my clinical approach to helping people with a neuroimmune condition develop their wellness programs. You know, I'm not teaching people how to use disease-modifying drug treatments. That's up to neurology. But the neurologists want to find people who can help their patients do the wellness programs. That's what I teach people to do. And that's what we do in our uh, programs for the public. Wonderful. And what is going to be happening for this great opportunity that's going oh, yeah. in Iowa. So yeah. give us a little bit more of a plug there for people who are, are interested. Yeah. So this is great. It's free. It's online. It's everywhere um, uh, because it's hosted online uh, by Dr. Talks. Uh, it starts July 5. It goes through July 11. Uh, there are about eight 
uh, uh, interviews that I do every day. At the beginning, I tell you what's happening that day, uh, and I welcome you. And at the very end, I just at very high level tell you what you learned. And then, again, then we have another day. I'll also mention that I do a little plug for my research program. So you see little commercials for our research um, and uh, little commercials to donate to our research if you're uh, so inspired. Uh, again, you'll hear from other clinicians about some of the things that we can do to better manage our symptoms, whether it's anxiety, depression, uh, our many bowel issues that we have, uh, and uh, how to better manage our uh, strength. Uh, and then uh, some interesting science, because I just think that's interesting talking about science. And then what are the new technologies that can we could use to enhance our rehabilitation and recovery of function? And because I, I really like uh, advocating for the community and the self-help groups that are out there, uh, we had some uh, great conversations with some uh, patient advocacy groups uh, as well. So a wonderful mix of education, empowerment, glimpses into the future, and some new, exciting, interesting technologies. Wonderful. I can't wait to be able to continue my learning with you through that. Um, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share today before we go? Well, if you are not following me on Instagram, follow me at drterrywalls.com. That's D-R-T-E-R-R-Y, Walls, W-A-H-L-S, dot com. Uh, follow me on my uh, webpage, terrywalls.com, uh, and sign up for an uh, email there. And go to terrywalls.com forward slash MS study uh, and screen be part of our patient registry so you'd be notified for future studies. And if you have relapsing remitting MS, uh, you could screen to see if we could get you enrolled in my new clinical trial. Wonderful. I will be sure to post all of those resources with this episode. And thank you so much for your time and expertise and just all that you do for yourself and for all of us. I really appreciate it. You are such a gem. Nice meeting you. I hope our paths cross again. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. This was wonderful. <laughs> you know, and um, depending on how our recruitment goes, uh, my, we need to have the next 60, you know, by the end of 24. So if somehow we are not all full, I may reach out and say, you know what, can we do this again to help me keep uh, uh, the recruiting efforts going? Anytime. I, I, surprisingly, I don't do a lot of um, advertising, but I have a global audience. I've been at this for four years. Damn, so there's quite a few you. listeners. So um, I'm happy to support anything that you do now and in the future. So you, uh, thank you. You have a fan and a partner in okay. me. Anything I can ever do to help. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. What an honor that was to speak with Dr. Terry Walls today. I hope you enjoyed listening in to our conversation. I hope that we all, one, understand that while there currently is no cure for MS, there are many scientifically proven methods for us to slow progression 
and find our way to better health. Two, that we each strongly consider participating in Dr. Wall's clinical trial to do our part in helping advance MS care and improve our personal health along the way. And three, that we remember an MS diagnosis, while daunting, can change our lives for the worst and for the better. We have trusted pioneers who have done the work for us and created a path forward so that we can all truly learn to live well with MS. Our next flock meeting will be Saturday, July 1st. Yes, this Saturday. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. We also support each other through hardships and celebrate our successes together. You can learn more and join us by visiting our Patreon page. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another, and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening, and until next time, be well. Ah!